listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Rachel. And I'm John. Thanks for listening to this episode. You know, we've been in a series lately called The Way, and we've been talking about what does it look like to walk with God together in community. And uh, we've been talking a lot about adults primarily, but I really, we believe that this isn't just for adults. This is for for everyone. If you're a follower of Jesus, like we believe that that happens together in community, that you walk with other people. And so Rachel, I know you and I, we both have kids that are elementary and getting into junior high sometime Mm -hmm. soon. They're preteens and going to be teenagers. And so there's this sense of where can we find this kind of community for our kids as they're growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit easier. It feels easier when they're younger to know how to help them to find friends. They're just friends with your friends' kids. But as they're getting older and finding their own identities, it feels a little bit intimidating to me to think about what that's gonna look like. Yeah, all great questions. So John, mm-hmm. you had a conversation that we're gonna listen to today. I uh, want you to tell us about that that's gonna help us out. Yeah, yeah, so I got to sit down with uh, Lance Lawson, who's the uh, leader of our family ministries here at Clear Creek, and Stacy Morgan, who works with MOPS uh, International and is a parent of teens and has also served in student ministry. And so we just got to sit down and talk about um, exactly that, just teens and community and uh, coming off of COVID in this weird year, kids are back in school, they're back around their friends and just, you know, how to find discernment, how to lead your kids well in that area to make good decisions when it comes to making friends and surrounding themselves with the right people. Well, welcome into the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Uh, glad to be joined today by Lance Lawson, Stacy Morgan. And uh, you know what? Let's jump right in. So we're talking about teenagers, but uh, before we get into everything that we're, we want to talk about, let's just start with an easy one. So uh, what are the ages of your kids, Stacey? Okay, I have four kids. I have a 17, almost 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, a almost 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. So pretty much three teenagers and a tween who... Pretty much, I mean, they are teenagers, like just teenager, in smaller yeah. bodies. Right, right, right. That's got to be a lot of emotion. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Some days it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little further behind you. You've got three kids, 12, 10, and 8. And so the 12, we're definitely approaching teen with the 12-year. I mean, it's we're... You're right there. Yeah, right there. Oh, yeah. So. Well, that's exciting. I have a baby that just turned one. So you guys are very far ahead of me. Um, Live it up. Live it up while you can. Yeah. Hoping to learn from you today. So um, how would you describe your parenting philosophy? And what would you say has informed that? Like, why do you do what you do as a parent? Uh, You know, I guess one of the things that has informed how I think about parenting and really looking forward to the teen years is I spent many years uh, in our student ministry, leading the the junior high kids and then always around the high school kids and just watching parents and families interact. And so that's that's shaped a lot for me. There's some families in our church that I respect highly and look up to and uh, have tried to learn as much as I can from them. But then, you know, you're also exposed to people who are, are uh, families that operate very differently. And so, you know, you learn from both sides of that. Certainly my own upbringing has informed some of that, but then um, th- this one quote I remember, I don't even remember who said it, but I remember when really I had kids really young, it said, you're not raising kids, you're raising future adults. Mm. And so I've just always tried to keep that in mind. Like I'm, I'm raising humans that are going to be adults soon, sooner than I realize. Yeah. And so it, with that in mind, it, it, it shapes 
my day-to-day, I think. Man, that's so good. That resonates with me, too. I think um, for both my husband and I, we went off to college and then never came home again. We did never lived in the same state as our parents, either of our sets of parents. We just kind of went right off and right into life. And I think we realized that we had to learn a lot about how to kind of do life. And so our philosophy, I think, is... Uh, heavily influenced by this idea of I am preparing my children to go out and Mm -hmm. have to make decisions on their own without me, without the safety nets of, you know, me being able to show up or help them or, you know, when they're kind of out of my circle of influence. And now I'm just kind of another voice talking into their head who's no more influential than what they hear on television or what their friends are saying. And so am I prepared to Will they be ready to face the world and make some hard choices and navigate what is a very gray, you know, lots of choices, lots of options, um, and it's complex, and will they be ready? Right. Yeah. Well, and especially now, I mean, uh, obviously thinking about getting ready to raise teenagers or having them and sending them out into the world, I mean, there's already a lot that comes along with that. And then you throw all into the mix just the craziness that we've had over the last couple of years. And I mean, it's, it's intimidating to think about. And so um, what are some of the pressures that you would say like preteens and teens are dealing with now in this, you know, coming into this new school year and just the, the age that they're at, the things that they're dealing with? I think there's always the classics, like, you know, uh, what is everybody wearing, the pressure to have all the things everyone's, you know, look like everybody fit in, um, you know, the pressures to perform. But I think as you get into high school, especially, there is this pressure um, of success at all costs. And so I see it much higher level than I think we experienced um, in high school this this pressure to succeed and because of that you see this pressure to uh cheat to be dishonest you know where integrity is is kind of um you know it's a hard concept when it bumps up against like if i don't do well on this test uh you know this could have long term consequences uh in a way that i feel like it's just really dialed up from the way we felt it and and we see that we're asking them to grow up quicker both in you know how they act and uh, what, where they, the kind of clothes they wear, the academic load we put on them is just turned up from what we had. Um, and then we have the consequences of that because they're not adults, but in so many areas of their life now as teenagers, we are acting, asking them to act like adults, mm-hmm. look like adults, behave like adults, make adult mature decisions. And yet we know their brains are not adult brains. They do not have the scope of life experience that we do to make good choices. And then we're shocked when they screw up, you know, and they, or they just don't know what to do. And so they do what everyone else is doing. And I think there's a level of stress that comes with that on their backs that they kind of secretly know that they don't know what they're doing, but all the adults in their life and kind of the culture is telling them like, you better, you have to act like an adult. Mm Yeah. Uh, that's good. I, I would, I, I think when I, when I see our kids who are growing up with technology as part of their lives in a very different way than we did, and they, they're, they're growing up almost with, with two sides of who they are. One is visible to everyone online and, uh, it never, it never turns off. And so you're, I think many kids are learning to curate this image mm. that they want seen. And, and then they also have to wrestle with, is that really who I am? 
and and the disconnect between the digital life and the in-person life. And then, you know, the struggles that come along with not having as much interpersonal interaction because so much is happening with their on a screen with their thumbs. And yeah. so, uh, you know, kids are, are losing some of their ability to communicate and uh, have close relationships in, in the same way. So we don't, I don't know that we know the long-term effects of that, but I think that's a pressure that in one sense they feel, but in another sense, they have no clue that they're living with. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, everything from technology to what am I wearing to school? Uh, what, what kind of responses do you guys see just out in the world from other parents uh, responding to these kinds of pressures and things that are put on their kids? I mean, you definitely see a, a protectiveness um, by parents. I think I mean, being protective is good. We're all protective right. of our kids. I think when it becomes concerning is when um, we start protecting our kids from the natural consequences of their choices or bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I, have, I have felt that pressure myself. I've seen my kids make mistakes and there's that that moment where you say to yourself like, oh my gosh, is this going to be a permanent, if I let the consequences like play out, is there going to be a permanent black mark next to their name? Is like where, you know, you start playing this game out in your head and you can feel the temptation to cover that for them and uh, to lie about something or to, or to solve the problem for them or have the hard conversation on their behalf or, um, or just tell them to, you know, put it under the rug, nobody will notice, even though you know that's not the right answer. But that temptation is there because you also feel that pressure for them to succeed. And so you you over, uh, and you make things too easy. You don't teach them the life lessons that they need to learn that there are consequences. Decisions sometimes don't always have a right and wrong answer. And it and it's not 100% either way, you know? And so mm-hmm. that that's a problem because they when you don't learn that lesson now, they will learn it eventually when they're at school, at work, and and we do them a disservice by not letting them learn it when they're still under our roof and right. have some safety nets built yeah. in. Right, and yeah. and it's isn't it easier to just uh, not step into that, to just ignore some of it or sweep it under the rug? And it takes it's hard work to be a parent and to push your kids toward the right thing. It, I mean. It just takes extra work. And for somebody, you know, if you're a parent who is a single parent or if you uh, are working a ton and that's just one more thing to do, it, it's a real challenge. But uh, I've seen, you know, some parents are overprotective. Others just act like a bulldozer. You know, they just clear the path for their kids. They're going to go meet with every teacher and principal and other parent and just handle everything so that the, their kid has a path before them that's smooth. And, and then those those young people never learn how to deal with adversity on their own. Uh, that's certainly one one response some parents mm. put out. Yeah. So we see this shielding them from stuff doesn't really work, and the covering things up for them doesn't really work. So, uh, what would you if there's if there is like a a right response or a more appropriate response? What what would you say that is? I mean, I think you have to zoom out and say, again, if my goal is to launch adults into the world who ha- are, are people of character, people of faith, you know, that there is a value set that we say we are living our lives by um, that really should trickle down into every area of our life. Am I, 
guiding them in this stage of life to become that person. You know, the, I think the stress of, te- of parenting teenagers comes from like, we are in that stage where no longer are we their teachers or their disciplinarians, really. Often the kids are like bigger, stronger, faster than <laughs> us. You couldn't catch them if you wanted to. Um, yeah. But now we're in this kind of coaching phase. And so you're kind of presenting the options to them and making suggestions as the way I would, this is what I want you to do. Uh, but when it comes down to it, they are old enough that they have to make these choices on their own. Mm-hmm. And within a few sh- couple years or a couple months, depending mm-hmm. how old your teenager is, like they're going to be doing those things on their own, making those decisions. So you really need to keep in mind, like wh- my response to this now with my teenager, they are going to remember this because I'm teaching them this is how an adult acts in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've just told me that... Um, your friend told you he cheated on this test, what is my response? You know, and that's going to tell you because I'm like your coach, like I, you know what I say my value set is, but when reality hits and there's a hard decision that bumps up against our value set, like what is, what am I going to do? And it's that care, it's that character that you want to build in them so that when they're on their own, they're doing the right thing. And it's stressful. Right. Um, I remember preaching a handful of years ago at our Eager Bay campus on a Sunday morning, pre-COVID, you know, second service, the place is full, the balcony's full. And I was talking about parenting and I, I quoted a statistic about for teenagers, whether you realize it or not, as a parent, you are still the biggest influence in their lives because they're watching you. It doesn't matter how involved you are or how much you speak, but like you are influencing whether you're attempting to or not. And so I said that, and I remember a mom from the balcony was like, yeah, right. And (laughs) you know, you want to say like, no, but you really are because they're watching you the way that you respond to all of those things, the way that you lead them through that. Whether you are choosing to or not, you're influencing your children. But Mm. we also know that they need more than just you. They need... uh, um, the book Sticky Faith is something I talk about a lot, yeah. and they, uh, the authors Chap Clark and Kara Powell talk about needing this sticky web of relationships, like that your your kids need other people in their lives because um, they will look to other people for those influences and to learn. And so that's that's got to be part of the way we shape our kids is having the right people around them. That's right. I read another book a few years ago that called The Lies Women Believe. And one of the lies was you have complete control over how your kids turn out. Right. And the other lie was you have no control over how your kids turn out. Right. And it, you know, the truth is in the middle. And um, there's freedom in that, right? Like it doesn't absolve us of all responsibility, but eventually our kids will make their own choices and we can't live our lives, you know, in regret of if our kids make bad choices in the future. But you, you know, the way you hopefully keep that in the middle is by, like you said, putting them in community because as much as you are the main influence in their life, what they see at home, you know, the teenage years, words start to, they, they see through our words and they're watching our actions, yep. right? So mm-hmm. um, the more you can put them around other people who also do the same things we're doing, you know, it matters, they start to realize it was not just my parents. Actually, there's a whole group of people here right, who agree right, with this worldview right. and these, this kind of character and these values. Yeah. Yeah. So, so getting them in this surrounded by people who will influence them uh, well and, you know, lead them kind of the direction you're already leading them. I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's community. So why, um, 
why is that type of community so important in like getting that set up and established for them, helping them do that? Well, I mean, again, they're, they're just sponges. They're, they're absorbing, they're watching, they're consuming everything around them because, uh, Stacy talked about the the way that they think and uh, is important, and their brains are shifting into the ability to think abstractly. You know, as a child grows up, it's all concrete thought, and then in the teenage years, they're trying on adult thought methods and ways of processing information. And so, like the the people you have around them, the uh, examples you give them, like I said, they're they're absorbing that, and that's going to influence uh, really who they become. And we know they have a ton of other influences because they're at school. They have teachers to look to. They have coaches, uh, maybe band directors, and then friends. And so there's all kinds of circles of influence that they can be a part of. But one of the things that I think we, f- we find super important is to help, help them have also uh, not just those circles of influence, but, but ones that are thinking like we are as parents, that are directing them, guiding them, especially in, in things of faith and character and who they'll become when nobody's looking. Right. Because we know that being a part of a faith community is, you know, it's not, we don't do it because it's like a box to check or because we get like extra points in heaven or something. We do it because we know that when we as people surround ourselves with people who are also seeking after the same God and relationship with Jesus that we are, it deepens our own faith. It strengthens who we are because this is a hard world to live in. We are constantly faced with hard choices and the culture does not want us to live a life of faith. You know, it wants us to be self-serving and selfish and be only out for ourselves. And so it's hard. You have to be surrounded by people who, even as an adult, will support you in those everyday decisions that are so hard. And it's the same for kids, right? We want to put them in a place where they can be surrounded by kids who are also desiring to walk that that narrow path. And it's not easy, you know, and every kid is struggling with those things. You know, I think it's important to say that, you know, dropping your kid off at small group is not some kind of magic bullet, right? right. Like there are good and bad influences in every uh, group you drop them into, whether it's a church group, a sports group, an arts group, a music group, it doesn't matter, right? Like, um, but just like if you're looking for quality people in your life, you're, you look for people in places where they're most likely to be, right? So you're most likely to find other kids and other families who share those biblical value sets, obviously, when you're in church community. And it, we do want it to be a priority, but of course, the reality is that we live in a world where it's not easy always to be in faith community because it takes time and it takes effort. And it's like triply hard for teenagers nowadays because their schedules mm-hmm. are so full. So I think like when I, when my oldest first kind of got into the student ministry years, you know, the, the party line, the church answer, right, is of course, small group should be number one, right? right? This is because unlike sports, unlike academics, you know, we're talking about his soul here. You know, mm. this, is, this is salvation dependent, right. of course. And there's like this huge stress. And if you've got a kid who's a little more reserved, who's not outgoing, you know, like sometimes putting them into small group situations, just like it can be uncomfortable for adults sometimes who who have those personalities, like 
it wasn't always his favorite thing to do. And so it was this like stressful thing. And I felt this pressure on myself, like, oh my gosh, I got to get him there. Like if I, you know, I was in youth group as a kid, like, oh my gosh, like I got to, I got to get him there. I got to get him there. And if he didn't want to go, or if there were conflicts in his schedule, I felt terrible. I felt guilty. I felt like I was failing as a as a parent who who claims to be a Jesus follower, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't even get my kid to like youth group. And what I'm realizing is, well, yes, that's the that is technically the the right answer, of course. You know, we want to have our kids in faith community. Uh, the reality is that sometimes there's conflict with academics, with other activities, with even just like some nights teenagers need to just go to bed early yeah. <laughs> because they're they're tired and they're worn out and their brains are full. Um, and so it the it's about navigating these choices of like, how does faith fit into their lives as teenagers? And part of that they have to own. Part of that we're still coaching them to make those decisions. But I know I have found some clarity when, again, I backed up and said to myself, my goal is that my kids, when they leave my house, they see participation in faith uh, and the faith community uh, as as part of their rhythm of living life. And there are going to be seasons in life uh, where it's hard to be a part of the faith community because you have a very challenging job or you have a very challenging schedule or school or whatever. Um, And I don't want them to get into this like all or nothing mindset, which I think a lot of uh, parents do when they push like, well, we have to do this thing. We have to do this thing. And then the kid goes off on their own and they can't do 100%. They think, well, I guess I won't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And um, I want them to understand that like, it's okay if there are seasons where you're not there every week because that's life. Like yeah. that's decisions yeah. we make as adults all the time. And I want them to feel confident to know like, and as soon as I'm able, I will plug back in. It's yeah. still a priority. I don't need to feel like a failure if I'm, you know, have a job or a school schedule that doesn't allow me to be there, but yeah. my desire is to be there, and mm-hmm. I know it's important. Yeah, that's that's so good. I I remember uh, uh, just a, a quick story. Like my my dad when I was younger, uh, he's a pastor of a church, and so you know I always felt this pressure to like be at church and read my Bible and do all the stuff. And I remember him one day just just saying like John, like if you don't read your Bible every single day, it's okay. Like. God's not going to hate you, you know, like that sort of right. thing. And I remember just as a, as a kid, I was probably in junior high or something, uh, hearing him say that just felt like it took this weight off of me because it really had turned into this kind of box checking thing. And so it was just, it was freeing to hear from him leading a church of people. Like, it's okay. You know, like there's times you are tired and you just got to go to bed, you know, like that's okay. Yeah. So. Right. Cause I want my kids to be like, faith is important to me. And this is about a relationship with Jesus. This isn't about an attendance record Mm -hmm. and like a perfect attendance award for being at youth group or every Sunday morning, right? It's about a relationship. And I want them to understand that, of course, being a part of a faith community deepens their relationship with God. It brings them into a, a community of supportive people who are on that same path. But the reality of living in this world, sometimes that means you know, you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to do it differently. I think we saw mm-hmm. that last year in the pandemic, right? Like if you just, if you equated your relationship with God with the ability to sit in a church building yeah. and like do all the churchy things on Sunday morning and all of a sudden that was taken away mm-hmm. and it was like, what, what does this mean to my relationship with God? You know, like I want 
to put four kids into the world who, when the world changes and goes upside down, the way they find community um, does not shake their faith. They just have to get more creative, right. you know, and um, because that's what's going to be lasting faith, yeah. right? Like, I don't want to put them their, them in a box of how they have to do it. Uh, as long as they understand, like, why? What's why are we doing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're trying to prepare our kids to be adults and to be able to function and behave and make decisions in all these other areas of life. It makes sense that we're thinking the same way about their faith. And the best way I've ever heard that described is that the goal of parenting should be to help your kids become independently dependent on the Lord. Mm. So if if in your leading of getting them to church and spending time in the Bible and all that, what, what you really should be doing is teaching them to depend on the Lord themselves mm. so that when you're not there and when a pandemic happens or work happens or whatever else, they, they still know to depend on the Lord in that season, whatever that looks like. Mm. There's also another side of this coin though is... Uh, people who who use busy schedules or the need to have a well-rounded resume in high school to get into the college that they want and have all of this success as a reason that they can't participate yeah. right. in church. And so have you seen some of that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, and it's very easy to hide behind that. Like, yeah. And it's kind of hard to know the heart motivation, right? Because there are certainly, you know, families where... Um, it truly is their desire to 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 uh, be plugged into the faith community, and um, for that season, they just they can't, and they they plan to get back in as soon as they can, and that's okay. And there are others that just yeah, it's a it's an easy out. Like nobody's going to be like, well, show me that baseball schedule, like prove it, right. <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, and it, what can we say, right? It's it's a pretense that hurts only you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I saw this statistic that talked about that um, the number of people who were professing to be Christians went down, you know, in the pandemic and, and how, uh, of course, people were concerned, like, did people lose their faith? Like, did the pandemic cause people to lose their faith? And, and actually, it's not, they didn't lose their faith. They lost the need to feel like they had to fake it anymore, right? right? Yeah. And, um, and that's true with our kids too, you know, like, if it's important to you, make it important to you. If it's not, it's, who are you fooling? You know, right. like mm-hmm. no one's like, oh, wow, she was there every Wednesday. Like, mm-hmm. it's so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a conversation, this is a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic with a friend who has a couple of uh, young teens and they're busy in sports where, to the point where they're traveling on weekends and, you know, very committed to this path. And he was he was struggling with, you know, they're just not able to go to church because of all this. And and my advice to him, and again, a, as someone not quite in that stage of life, but approaching, my advice was, I, I think you want your kids to look back on their teen years, not on a season, but on like my teen years at home and believe that that you thought church was, church and, and faith, not just like attending church, but following Jesus and gathering with his people was at least as important as that sports league that you were a part of. And so you you reorient your life to do some of those travel sports and all that. Like, uh, I, I just, I want my kids to think back and know that we reoriented our lives to be people who, who follow Jesus and gather with his people. Yeah, that's, that's great. That, that brings up a good thing about this whole, 
uh, modeling at home kind of what you want them to experience or how, how you want them to experience church and church people, because there is this sense of community of doing this together. And so, yeah, what would you say on that? Just like your, your modeling of experiencing church and putting that, how do you put that importance on it? You know, how do you help them understand this is worth doing? This is worth being a part of. I mean, in this stage with kids, talk is cheap. Yeah. You can talk a good game all day. (laughs) They know what's up. You know, they're smart enough now to see where you spend your money, Mm. where you spend your time. They hear the jokes you tell. They hear the phone calls that you have. Um, they, They can look at your day planner and see how you spend your time. I mean, there is no, there is nothing hiding things from teenagers. They are inherently curious about how we as their parents and the adults in their lives actually spend our time and our money and our resources. Cause it's finally, like you said, it's like they're, they're old enough now they can kind of see a little bit into the future and they have enough maturity to realize like, I'm going to have to make some of these choices. So I kind of want to poke around and see how the adults in my life do it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, you could, you could talk all day about how important it is for them to be in small group. And we want you connected to, you know, make good friends and all this kind of stuff. But if they look at you and you're not in small group, you just come to church, sit there, get up and immediately shoot out the side door. Or um, they hear you uh, kind of dismissive of your own friends or don't you don't actually have any friends, you know, which I think can be an issue for a lot of dads. You know, like we want our kids to have friends and then they don't see male, healthy male friendships modeled by um their dads or even healthy female friendships by their moms, you know, where it's not catty and gossipy or, um, or, or judgy. I mean, they see all of that. And so when we say, Oh, this is so important that you do this. Yeah. And they turn, they go like, I know there is an adult version of this and you're not doing it. I mean, you know what they're thinking? Like what a hypocrite. Why should, why, why should I? Because look, or they'll just humor you. And know that I'm just biding my time until um, I make my own choices, and then I'm going to do exactly what you're doing. And I'm just going <laughs> to give it lip service. And I'm sure 30 years from now, I'll be telling my kids the same thing. You know, you do it because I, you know. But again, it's about box checking, right? Like this right. isn't your faith should not be a, a stage. Like when my kids ask me uh, for math homework, and I get frustrated, they don't like the answer I'm giving them, and they get frustrated. And I'm like, look, I already took calculus. I don't need this from you right, right. now. Like I've taken the SAT. I don't yeah. need your your guff. Um, faith is not the same as like a stage that we all pass through uh, as teenagers. Like this is a lifelong journey. And so if I'm saying that these things are important to their spiritual development, it is as true to me as an adult as it is true for them. So if I don't model that um, and talk about it, right? Like, because there may also be seasons where it's hard for me to be in community or for relationships or friendships are tough. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't be afraid to talk about that with my kids because again, we are trying to give them the experiences now that like build that knowledge base. So when they are off on their own, they like remember, oh yeah, I remember that time where my mom told me like friendships were hard and this is how she made friends or um, why the faith community was so important to her in that stage. So that actually brings up a really good point. Um, just talking about you know, modeling uh, relationships, having friends. And so I think we do see like there are different, there are different sides of that, like where there's, there's really helpful friendships. There's friends who encourage you and cheer you on and that you just do life together. And then there's friends that maybe are 
a little, like a little more in that unhealthy category. And so how do you, how do you lead your, your teenagers in that way of finding those friends that are, um, that are good friends to have that are life giving friends versus maybe that unhealthy, unhelpful community? Well, I think like when they're younger, again, their, their friends are your kid, your friends, kids. And so you can start developing some of that. It's easier when, when they're younger to influence some of that stuff. But my hope with my kids, especially uh, my younger ones, is that in elementary school, they're learning how to choose the right friends. And so we invite their friends over or meet them at the park. And then later, like, you know, let's, let's dialogue about some of the language that kid used or, you know, like uh, teaching our kids how to choose the, the friends that can feed into them, but also in a way that doesn't cause them to ever exclude someone else. So, you know, all, and that includes modeling. Like I don't just have friends that are part of the church and friends that are Christian. I model for my kids that like I have friends from your little league team, the other dads and uh, friends in the neighborhood. And, and we, we live our lives as regular people uh, not closed in this Christian bubble. And so I want to teach my kids to do the same value, healthy, uh, friendships and, well, I guess they're all healthy, but uh, friendships that feed their faith and then friendships that they can be missional in. Yeah, and that, that's a good, um, I, I would like to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's a question I've always had is just like, how early do you start this conversation about uh, being missional with your relationships? Because there's one side of you that's like, well, I want to protect you <laughs> from all these like, you know, all this stuff out there that you can get exposed to. But at the same time, I know as a Christian that we're called to, we're we're sent into the world to minister to these people, to bring them in, to help them enter into a relationship with Jesus. And as we say around here, become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so how early do you start that? How do you help them understand that, you know, we want to have these good friends who see the way the world, the way that we do, but that we also want to have friends that we're helping kind of bring along? For me, it started with each of my kids in kindergarten, their kindergarten school year, like helping them early on in the school year, identify someone that they can be helpful to. It has nothing to do with faith, but like there are kids in your class that might need help along the way. Maybe they're on the playground, they don't have a friend, or maybe they don't read as well as you, or just helping my kids see themselves as someone who can serve others that at various times might be in need. And then as they get older, so now now my youngest two are in the older elementary grades, helping them acknowledge not everyone believes what we believe. Mm-hmm. And so some some kids that you go to school with, they their families might think that what we believe is weird. And definitely what we believe is not popular, that we devote our lives to Jesus. And so the elementary years are crucial for that. And I think they set up I hope they set up the teen years because that's what I've been running toward. But Stacey, you can probably speak to that. Oh my gosh. Well, this whole like last year and a half has been this like one long laboratory for teaching our kids about compassion and dealing with people who might have different opinions than us. I mean, like it just doesn't stop, you know, and we can tell them to be kind and, um, and you know, that tolerant of people who have different beliefs that that doesn't affect what we believe and all this kind of stuff. But then, of course, what are we saying behind closed doors? Um, who's the butt of our jokes, right? right? Um, what do we say when we're watching the news and somebody comes on and we yell something at the screen, right? Um, but it's um, it's been a really interesting year because it has 
been able to open up a lot of doors about conversations about things about dealing with people who are different than you. And again, that's a real world skill. Like even no matter what career field you go into, no matter where your kid goes to school, if they don't go to school, wherever they live, like you're going to live in a world that is full of people who are different than you. Mm. Uh, You should be friends with those people. Um, So what does that look like? And I think it's been very helpful for me to say to my kids, like, you know, four kids, four very different personalities, some who uh, are more likely to go and invite a friend to something and bring them along, others where that is a very uncomfortable proposition, you know. Right. Um, and so, but I think I, it's helpful just for me to keep the door open, you know, to say, hey, if you want to invite that friend, I'm happy to tell them, like, tell them I can pick them, we can pick them up and we'll bring them home, you know, making it easy. Um it's great when student ministry has events that uh, are fun and kind of like low bar because it's hard. Who wants to bring their friend who is kind of a new friendship to like something that feels like a Bible study? That's a pretty yeah. varsity step. Most adults wouldn't <laughs> want to do that. Definitely not like a 16-year-old mm. who's a little, you know, insecure. Um, so when you have fun events, like saying, hey, if you want to invite them, bring them. Like, and we'll, you know, of course, we'll pay for it. Like we will like, like, let's make it as easy and just like, Super easy to bring them as possible, um, low pressure, um, no big deal, you know, and and to just, again, make part of like inviting people to things that are important to you, part of your life. Like if this is important to you, you have no problem talking about that movie we watched this weekend or the sports team you're on. Uh, which are both important things to you. Mm-hmm. If your faith is important to you, if you love your uh, small group and you're excited about this event they're doing on Wednesday, like and tell your friend about it and bring it along. And it's about not trying to be somebody at school who's different than the person at home, right? Just be who you are. Be comfortable in in sharing your faith when that door opens, uh, but not feeling like you have to stand on the corner and prosthetize the people either, <laughs> yeah. you know, because that's just not right. the personality of a lot of kids, certainly yeah. not in the teenage years, right? So, mm. but it's a great period of time where you get them kind of comfortable with this idea of like, when a door opens to a conversation of faith, I shouldn't be afraid to walk through it. And it's okay if a friend is hurting for me to ask if I can pray for them or ask if I can share what's going on within their life with my small group so my small group can pray for them. Like that that can be a part of how they talk, how they act. And it's not like, it doesn't have to be weird and creepy or yeah. like, you know, odd. Just, it can just be part of who you are. And that actually the vast majority of people respond really positively uh, because it shows you care about them as a person. Mm. So good. And how do you model that as a parent? You know, like um, I think a lot of times it's easy, especially when you're kind of involved and ingrained in the church world to just be around a lot of church people and people who think and act like you do. And so how, I mean, do you guys intentionally go out and like, Hey, like, let's, I want, I want my kids to see me being friends with people who don't think like me, that sort of thing. I mean, we have a lot of uh, interaction with people, just whether it's neighbors or work friends and stuff who who are very different, you know, um, all different kinds of differences. And, um, you know, I think if you are a if you are involved in your community, not just your church community, but your community in general, it doesn't take a lot of effort to uh, show your kids like how you respond to people who are different than you because you're just around people who are different than you all the time. Mm-hmm. I think what is more challenging to show your kids is how like truly serving others and and even just being a good friend and serving your friends often involves sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, being a part of a community is at a minimum going to involve a sacrifice of your time 
probably going to be some sacrifice of other activities that you could be doing, you know, at that time. <laughs> um, it may involve sacrifice of money or um, your own comfort, right? And I think those those are so important because I think we, again we can we can say all these great things to our kids, you know. Oh, you know, we want you to have all these friends, and you want you, you need to be there for your friends. You should be a part of this community. And then as soon as that community asks something of us, we're like, oh. I don't have time. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, no, I, I, oh, like, oh. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess the what we're modeling is I'm all in until it requires something of me. And then actually I'm not really all in. Yeah. And so I think personally for me, I have found it very helpful. If when I am doing something for someone else and I'm feeling like this is a sacrifice, like I don't really want to go to this, but I'm going because I know it's the right thing to do. And I know my friend wants me to be there, or this is a way that I'm going to serve, even if it is not how I would ideally spend my free weekend or whatever. And I talk about it. And right. it's okay to say to your kids like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> this is a tough thing to yeah. do. Um, because I want them to see me wrestle in that because they in like in the case of my son in in, in less than a year, he will be facing those same decisions. He will be wrestling with his own schedule and how he spends his time and his money and his effort and his attention. And it, I want him to, when he feels that tension, to not be like scared of that tension. Just be like, okay, this is normal. <laughs> this, is, this is what when, you know, when we talk about it, you know, and read about in the Bible about the, like, you know, it's a, it can be a burden. Like our faith can feel like a burden sometimes because it is so countercultural and will and we'll ask everything of us uh, that this tension is a natural part of that. And that's why most people don't do it, right? Because yeah. like, it's going to involve, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And again, that's why you need to be surrounded by people who when you are f- feeling that tension and you are wrestling with that decision who are like, hey, like, you, you know, let me help you. Let me walk alongside. Let's do it together, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. instead of people who are like, Psh, what are you doing? You know, like go back to bed or, you know, <laughs> no, that's your money. That's, you know, or it's all about you and what's most important for you, you know. Um, so I, I want him to be like, okay, I'm wrestling with it. That's okay. Uh, and this is just like a signal for me to stop, like think about it, pray about it. Kind of go back to my hopefully the roots I've implanted in him of who am I? Like what is what do I value? Who am I? What is my identity in Christ? What what would you know? Like what would Jesus do? You know, like I mean, as basic as that, right? Bring the bracelets out. That's right. Bust out the bracelets if you have to, right? Um, But not be uncomfortable in that tension. Not assume that somehow wrestling with things of faith means that you are failing Hmm. or that your faith is not real or that God is not listening or there with you. Yeah, it's such an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, I mean, same thing. Uh, what I've tried to do is have as many conversations with my kid, my kids about our life, the way that Donnie and I live in age-appropriate ways as possible. So from a young age, like, yeah, we, we can't spend money on that this month because we've, we've put some of our money in this other place to help these other people mm-hmm. or, uh, no, your mom isn't here tonight because she's out with someone who is having a hard time with their family or, you know, like, you know, yeah. you don't have to give all the details, but it like explain what's going on in your life to your kids, even from a young age so that as they get older, they can continue. Like, even when you don't say something, they're able to see, this is what my parents are doing. This is why our life is this way. This is why that is happening. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of talking to your kids about as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Help them process it. 
Te- teach them how to process things mm-hmm. through your conversation. And yeah. it's okay to tell them about your mistakes. Absolutely. You, know, like you, should, I, you should. I have yeah. so many stories of like friendship mistakes in junior high or, you know, times that I was just an idiot in high school in terms of like how I treated some friends or, you know, at the, you know, and it's like when you tell those kind of stories, it's funny you know they're paying attention. Like they're paying much more attention than the story you told them about something else. You know, like they're very interested in hearing how you failed. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and and when they hear you express remorse, you know, I'll say like, man, I don't know. I was just a dumb 16 year old and I was mean to her, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and even then, I'm you know realize later like that was so like why did I do that to my friend? That was like I really regret that. Even now, mm-hmm. as a forty year old woman, I regret how I treated that friend at sixteen. And when I say that, like I can see in their face like oh wow, you know like I can actually learn from that. You know we don't have to act like we have it all together. In yeah. fact, it's often better if you don't. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's so interesting because like our, it feels like our culture is just so increasingly like curated. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, everybody's kind of has their brand and it, it, they all seem like they're all perfect and have it together. And so I think, yeah, if you can show them like, no, it's, it's, so it's okay. Like, I mean, we, we don't have it all together. We're all figuring it out, you know, and, and this is how like I dealt with that. And, you know, I hope you deal with it, you know, that sort of thing. It's just super good. So um, I know there's probably quite a few parents out there who are like, man, all this sounds great. Uh, I want that for my kids. I want to do that stuff for my kids, but I haven't been doing that and I don't know where to start. What advice would you have for that parent of just like, what's that, what's that first step, that next step for them maybe of just like, I just want to, I want to help build this community for my kids. I want to help model that for them. What would you advise them to do? I mean, it's uh, it's a habit, right? Being a part of the faith community is is a habit, just like going to the gym becomes a habit, right? I mean, so, mm-hmm. of course, the earlier you get your kid into the rhythm of, like, being a part of the church and my faith is just part of how I do my life, even if there are short seasons where... I can't be there every week. That's okay. You know, it's part, but it's part of my life and we will constantly come back to that. You know, of course you can start that. And when they're in sixth grade, starting at like the first opportunity for junior high, like that's awesome. Um, And it's, but it's, and it's, so it's harder every year that you put that off because like spoiler for people who don't have high school or shit, like their schedule just gets more and more busy Mm -hmm. with more and more pressure. So it's very hard to all of a sudden create um, two hours of free time, you know, uh, during the week for them to be a part of small group or whatever, if they are not already used to doing that. However, that does not mean, again, it's not all or nothing, right? So I would say if you're a parent of a teenager who has has not been involved, you want to get them involved in the faith community, like start small, right? Like start getting them to, to group when you can, right? Like mm-hmm. before that athletic season begins or before the SAT prep heavy season begins, like get them where they can get a friend, find a friend, um, introduce them to someone who has a kid the same age. Like it is hard. It's super awkward. <laughs> like, uh, my teenagers are always like, when I'm like, Oh look, Hey, have you met someone the same age as you? And they look at me like, what? Like, and it is kind of <laughs> ridiculous. Cause imagine if like somebody walked over and was like, Oh, have you met like, you know, Julie, she's, she's 40 like you. You'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're kind of so over that introductory friendship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, you know, it does help to kind of like grease the skids a little bit to know who's going to be there. Um, get some information. Go talk to the student pastor at your church. You know, um, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, you know, kind of like I really think it's important that if you are a member of a church that you try to participate in you know, the student ministry that's at that church. I think, mm. I think that is important. I'm not a fan of kind of shopping around to find <laughs> like the best things only because I feel like it can start to breed a little bit of this consumer culture of things yeah. that, you know, like, well, I like this, but I don't like this. Da, da, da. However, caveat, small print on the bottom, right? Like if your kid wants to go to this other church's youth group because they've got five friends there and they don't know, like they, do it. You know, mm-hmm. do it, and um, and then look for opportunities to like get them plugged into to the things going on. You know, at, at our church or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, you got to take the wins where you can get them at that point. <laughs> and then I think, like we've talked about so much, take a step back and ask yourself, how am I modeling being a participant in community? Yeah. Because again, if I'm like, I want you in this, this is important to you, and they look at me and I'm not doing it. I mean, they're sitting in the same service as we are hearing about group link, hearing about people in small yeah. group, and they're kind of looking at you like, Why are you, are you, doing are you hearing that? this? Yeah. yeah like, I, I don't understand. You just like literally just last night told me how it was important that I was a small group. And yeah. I know, you know, that's why parenting teenagers is so hard because every decision and, and guidance you're giving them is like presses on your own insecurities and your own decisions. And it forces you to constantly be like, oh my gosh, I'm such a hypocrite. Like that's how you feel all the time as a parent of a teenager, like I'm failing, I'm a hypocrite in this. But that is like, that should be motivation for us Mm -hmm. to, um, to, to assess. Like if I say this is important to my kids, then of course it should be important to me. Mm. And, and what does that mean? Do I need to change something? Do I need to start something? Do I need to get involved? Um, and then tell my kid why we're getting involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say the same thing. You you, ha, you have to make it a priority for you uh, before you can make it a priority for them. Uh, but to that, to answer your question, John, make it a priority for your kid. Mm-hmm. So that means hard choices and hard conversations. That means you may have to sit them down and say, "You don't get to do whatever it is this semester because we need to create space." Or what you have to, you have to make it a priority, or it won't ever be one. And so sometimes that's hard to do, but it's it's worth doing. It's the thing you may look back on years later and be most thankful that you did. Like I'm glad I did that hard thing because of what what came from it, what my child was exposed to, and the friends they developed, uh, the friendships they developed, and ultimately the way they grew in their faith and followed Jesus. It, it matters more than the job they'll have in the future. It matters more than the grades they got in high school. It matters more. Not that you should forsake those things. I'm just mm-hmm. saying uh, it can be easy for the pressures of what we want our kids to be and how we want them to turn out to, to take on uh, like to the, the ranking of them to not be in the right order. So it can, it can be easy for the, the faith we want them to have to get pushed down to the bottom because it feels like other things are pressing. But I would say you you need to cultivate, if you want them to have a strong faith and become independently dependent on the Lord, you have to cultivate that as your number one priority. Mm. And so, again, you've got to model that, but then do whatever. And to all the things Stacy said, yes, uh, 
fully endorse all that. Bring them to church when they don't want to come. Sit with them in the church service. Sing so they can hear you sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, open your Bible at the kitchen table and let them walk in to find you reading your Bible. Uh, tell them, I'm not going to be here on Tuesday night at seven o'clock because I'm going to small group. Like, Do all of those things because they're watching you. Yeah. And it may involve, you know, again, a great lesson in like time management, right? <laughs> like that again, because I think as adults, we do so many things just naturally and we forget that someone, either someone taught us that or we learned it the hard way <laughs> by failing mm-hmm. and adjusting later. And like, yeah, it's hard to take that time on Sunday or Wednesday night or whatever it is where, you know, your small group or your faith community is meeting. It requires often looking at your schedule and saying like, mm, I'm going to need to move this over. I'm going to need to adjust this um, because the number one excuse, you know, from teenagers is like, well, I have too much work to do. You know, practice went till 530 and then we're coming home and this thing starts in an hour. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. And it takes an adult to say, okay, I get it. However, here's what we're going to do. You know, you're going to do this. You're going to eat. We're going to go. And then when you come home, you'll do this. Or this doesn't actually have to be done tonight. It can be done tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, and helping them see, again, it's about like community. If it's important to us, it's going to require a little bit of reshuffling of our priorities, of the way we spend our time, and the way we think we would ideally spend our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you may ideally want to sit and crank through all your homework tonight so that you don't have to do any tomorrow night. But group is tonight. Your, you know, your small group's meeting tonight. They, they want to see you. This is important. This is, these are people who care about you. So we're going to adjust how much work you're doing tonight so you can be there. Mm. And um, they may not like it initially because right. <laughs> teenagers don't like me told what to do, mm. but um, they, that's how they learn, right? We've got to sometimes, we can't forget they are not adults who have the breadth of life experience to able to make those mature decisions and adjustments on their own. They're still, we are still coaching them in this stage to help them learn how to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've been talking a lot about coaching and uh, raising future adults and all that stuff. So uh, as, I mean, we're kind of, I I feel like we could keep going on this for a while, but uh, if we're, if we're kind of trying to wrap up, um, what would you say your hope is for your kids let's say, you know, 10 years from now as they're, you know, into adulthood, uh, what's your hope for your kids regarding this community and the friendships and their faith and all that stuff? What What is all that that we're working towards? I mean, I hope that they own it, you know, and they own it with like this, uh, this kind of gritty, adaptable faith, right? That's like, I mean, I think one of the benefits of, of, of the life that our family has lived is we've lived a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had, you know, we've had a lot of different experiences. And so they have seen us have to model our, you know, life changing in different places. And I hope they've seen that regardless of where we were, what kind of church we were a part of, what our schedules look like, like certain things were always central. And part of that is faith. And, uh, and the community of faith and believers that we wanted to surround ourselves with. So I hope that they see like, I can confidently know that wherever I land, uh, whatever season I'm in, um, this will still stay, stay central to me. And I just have to, it may look a little different. It may sound a little different, like, but it's still there. Um, and it's always going to be important to me. Yeah, same thing. I hope my kids are as, you know, at 10 years from now, I'm thinking I'll have one out of college and then the youngest probably going into college. I hope that they are at whatever stage that is figuring out how to follow Jesus at that point. So 
you're moving to a new city, you're starting a career, whatever it is, like, how do I follow Jesus in this career, in this new city? How do I create this community? As I go off to college, how do I make church a priority? How do I uh, get the right friends around me and influence my college years? Like, I, I hope they're thinking about that because they've learned to make it a priority. They've learned that it's so important to who they are that that when they when they when they land somewhere and hit the ground, they're like, "All right, how am I going to follow Jesus here?" Right, because I hope it's part of who they are. You yeah. know how they how they identify who they are, where they find their value, and it's not just like another hobby. Right. You know, like oh, I hope I can find a kickball league here. I right. hope I can find a church. Like no, like this is this is who you are. You are you are a Jesus follower, and part of what Jesus followers do is they find a community of fellow believers. You know, yeah. wherever they go. Um, whatever that looks like in whatever season they're in and um, and that that's how they define a big part of you know contentedness and um, and where they look for meaning and community and how to serve and how to love the world that yeah. they are called to live in yeah so good well thank you guys so much for being here and uh, for all of you listening I hope this was just an encouragement to you Uh, a hopeful conversation about the future of your family and your kids as you parent them. So thank you so much for listening. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the Clear Creek Resources podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. And be sure to visit clearcreekresources.org where you can also check out some other content we put out like articles, videos, stories, and sermons. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.